Hello, I'm Michael Bennett, and this is part of a series of podcasts on sustainability in conjunction with Birmingham City Council. Uh, I'd like to welcome you back to part two of my conversation with Sylvia Broadley. Uh, if you're joining us for the first time, please do go back to part one before diving into this episode. I wouldn't want you to miss anything. And now let's get back to the conversation. For me, all, one of the key drivers for that has always been the development of the second-hand market in the in the EV yes. as well, because as you say the the production is obviously ramping up. Um, I know Tesla is delivering far more this year than they did the previous year, and and they're growing very rapidly. And with a number of other uh, models being brought in by all of the different manufacturers now, the, the the primary market is definitely growing. What I guess needs to develop substantially is that second-hand market where. Yeah the people who aren't going to go out and buy brand new cars, which really is the majority of the population, uh, have a, a supply of vehicles which they can they can go to and pick up an electric vehicle as a starter, maybe a hybrid or a plug-in hybrid. Um, and until that really does develop it substantially, we're going to struggle to hit that mark. I assume that, in that that's obviously something that's been taken into account in the modelling, I'm sure. I don't know if that is developing at the moment at the same speed that we'd like it to. In looking at a growing second-hand market, this needs to be coupled with the development of battery life. And one can see that happening. You've only got to look at fifth gear on, on a Thursday evening to, to see what is actually coming up in, in, in the market. Um, for cars, that is developing. And that confidence in battery life is actually there. But therein lies also the opportunity for battery storage and how you extend the life of a battery and have a new supply chain actually around that element. I think where there is confidence within the consumer market about battery life and who is responsible, who, you know, where does liability actually lie for that? But also there are other issues, which is around the expense of the vehicles compared to petrol and uh, diesel vehicles and at the moment EV vehicles cars are more expensive but when you actually start to look at where some of the bigger vehicles are concerned either they're actually not on the market they're a few years off that you know from your HGV market but in looking at the van market yes they are starting to come onto to the market but they are much more expensive so there is a lag there in regard to a secondhand market actually catching up with this, but it will happen. There will be a point in time where it does just zoom off and I'm coming back to putting EV charge points actually in the ground. You can't over anticipate the market because if they're not used, then what tends to happen, which is what we found before, although it was very it was it was very early days, is that unfortunately they do get vandalized, but also because of the expense of the actual charge point. So if you're looking at a 22 kilowatt, you're talking about for, for the actual unit itself, it's about seven and a half thousand pounds. Then you have the civil works, which could be five to ten thousand pounds. You have the grid connectivity. You have to actually have an application. So there is a fee actually for doing that. And given the proximity to the, the, you know, the substation, that adds on another cost in terms of ducting and cabling and civil works. Actually, it's, it's quite expensive. If you're putting in an infrastructure, which is around a charge and go, 
which is your fast and your rapid, where you've got much lower power, and I'm talking up to 10 or 11 kilowatts, it's not as expensive. But you, if you're putting charge points in the ground, you still have the same civil works, you still have the same ducting and cabling works, you know, and connectivity. So there, there are still costs. And from looking at how you work with the private sector, there has to be a return on investment. And currently that return on investment is around seven years. So if you have overestimated the market, you are not getting your return on investment. So in looking at the pace of change, it has to reflect where the market actually is at any given time. And so part of the strategy is about looking at where the market actually is, where is the take up? What are the the overall numbers? You know that that that's DFT, uh, uh, Department for Transport uh, data that that we're actually working in. Actually looking at assessing where those traffic flows are, assessing where in terms of those those places of destination, but also for a local authority as well in areas that perhaps are not so attractive and there are challenges as well because there is no off street street parking as well it's looking at what are the types of strategies from the types of charge points um, to other types of incentives to enable that that um, take up so there is a fine balance there in in terms of the working with the private sector and also the role of of uh, a local authority but the main line, the, the bottom line for the, the position of the council is how can you ensure public accessibility 24-7, 365 days a year with the 99% you know, uptime on, on those, those charge points? And, and that's why we have gone the route that we have done with a long-term partner for 12 years to ensure that consistency and that approach actually to rolling out uh, EV charge points. That's on public land, as, as I've mentioned. The private sector will be developing where, where they develop, which is absolutely fantastic. And this is combined with the private sector. This is how we will get to a minimum of 3,600 um, by you know, 2030, 2032. That's that's how we actually see this going. So there would be a mixed economy, actually, you know, as being part of the the approaches to how we do this. Seventy percent of the residential areas in Birmingham have off street parking. Thirty percent who don't, and that's where you know we'll be doing more innovative type yeah. of developments. And it comes down to who who are we saying that this this is actually for. So yeah. this is about ensuring giving your 7030 that there are strategic locations that people can get a charge and go they can literally charge and go yeah and that's what it's actually for and then that is aligned with the many charge points that the private sector will will be bringing to this as well and people what we're not doing well. what we're not doing is saying there are 250,000 cars coming into the city or going across mm. the city per day and you know at any one time the approach that we're, we are taking it within those strategic locations is actually about developing hubs. Mm. So there's always going to be more than one charge point or charger yeah. um, there. And there would be a combination of rapid and fast if that's possible. 
Um, so people who've got 30 minutes, 20 minutes. And, and when we're talking about 30 minutes, that's going from zero to full. And most people won't. Be and most people from zero. won't. People most people will, will not be doing that. They want to top up and go. So it could be they're only there for five, ten minutes, twenty minutes, and because these strategic locations are aligned with where amenities are, it is actually about combining it. You know, when you're going to do your shopping or you're going, you know, to to the park or wherever, you know, or you're going for a coffee that you are combining it with doing something else and and so those locations align with those types of destinations so it's a hub approach um and it's about it, a bit like um you know looking at uh petrol stations so you we don't have thousands of petrol stations you know when you need to plan for going to a petrol station you you actually plan that in albeit that you are refueling you know within minutes um, at a petrol station is actually planning in, in a slightly different way that, you know, it's 20 minutes to an hour or, or maybe uh, more than that if it's a, a fast charge. But separate to that is the residential overnight charging that where we're saying there is at least 30% of the city that do not have that, that possibility. So it's looking at those alternatives and we're really focusing on those residential areas which make up that 30%. And of that, those who do not have easy access to a charge and go, which they can plan for, you know, that's just not a possibility. It's then looking at, well, okay, how, how can you have something more local where actually what it does do is enable an overnight. But in saying that, from what the council are putting in, which we will be doing with private partners, it's still about public accessibility. It may be on the highway, but anyone can use them. It may be outside, outside somebody's front door, for instance, if it's an insect curbstone, there may be a few along uh, the road, but anybody can actually use that. That's what we're trying to, to get to. So on the 12-year plan, where, where are you with the rollout now? In total, from when the strategy was approved across the city, in total between the, the public sector and what was happening uh, within the private sector, there were 140 charge points. Combined, public and private, there are now 301, of which 97 are within the city centre and 161 um, are across Birmingham, but outside of, of the, the city centre. Um, for our delivery, uh, by the end of the year, we're looking at um, delivering 394 public charge points. But in total, um, we're looking that um, across Birmingham, in addition to, to ours, there will be 625 in total, of which at least 180 will be actually within the, the city centre. So those figures actually increase year on year. So for instance, what we would hope for 2023 is that across Birmingham, there'll be an additional 780 odd uh, charge points um, 
2024, we're looking at 1,000, over 1,000, and 2025, we're getting up to 1,400. So you can see year on year, the numbers would be increasing between the public rollout and the, the private sector rollout. So by the time we get to 2030, 2032, this is where we see the 3,600. However, from the monitoring, if we see there is substantial growth in the market, those numbers will actually increase. But from the data modelling that, that we've done as part of the strategy, where we actually see it is, is the 3,600. It's a substantial growth, particularly in the last uh, few months since the yes. uh, since it was approved. Um, with it, I mean, it's almost doubled in that in that short period, and it's doubling again to the end of yes. this year, and then doubling again next year. So yeah. it really is a very substantial growth rate. With that rapid rollout, obviously, they, you've mentioned there comes significant cost both in the civils and the charges themselves. Uh, how is that being funded? Well, as part of our strategy, we have two phases. We're in phase one which uh, started last year and it goes to the end of uh, this year. And it's that that's 394 charge points that the, the council with its partners are rolling out. The charges, the actual charge points, are funded through a grant from what was OLEV, the Office for Low Emission Vehicles. It's now called um, OZEV, the Office of Zero Emission Vehicles. But we received, the council received a grant of 2.92 million. But the cost actually of deployment is much more than this. So the, the grant covers the actual capital cost of the units and our uh, EV partner, ESB, will be matching with their own investment, capital investment, uh, in terms of the installation, the civil works, the connectivity um, as well. And, and then beyond that, into phase two, it is actually working um, as part of um, a capital investment from ESB in terms of continuing to to deploy uh, charge points, but also clearly from the private sector, you know, where there, there is uh, opportunity and obviously market growth, they will be investing their, their own capital actually into that deployment. And as you can see from the numbers, that's growing year on year. Yes. And I think investment from private developers and particularly those who are putting uh, up new buildings or doing large retail parks and things like that, that it's going to be absolutely key to delivering this by the sound of it. So that, that sort of investment and people who are thinking of doing that type of development, how would they uh, get involved in particular in the scheme or is it just something you'd, have, you'd like them to develop themselves? How do they link in with the process? Any new developer will be under the planning policy requirements in terms of getting planning permission that it will actually be a requirement as part of that, that planning permission that there's a ratio of charge points they need to be deploying. The policy is that for every five car park spaces, there would need to be a, a charge point and on housing development. Uh, for every house that has off-street uh, parking, that ratio is one-to-one. -one. So from a planning point of view, that that's how um, that, that will actually be addressed. But in saying that, EVs, zero emission vehicles, are actually going to be part of the, the fabric for future life, health and well-being and uh, placemaking, you know, which is where the city council's um, transport strategy is actually going. And what is key here is actually it's, it's not about the reliance on the car. There is a reliance on the car, but it's actually 
looking at mobility and really transitioning to more walking, more cycling, and actually the use of the vehicle um, being for essential use and a key part actually being that that modal shift that, that we actually need for us to achieve that 50% reduction in, in emissions by 2030 is absolutely reliant on less vehicle ownership and more public transport. And as a city, that's what we are aiming towards. But it does recognise that people need their vehicle for essential use, but there are other alternatives, whether that be um, car-to-go schemes, car-share schemes, or using taxis. And again, part of uh, our transport policy is actually looking at how those vehicles can shift over to uh, electric or hydrogen zero emission vehicles. So we, we, we've, we've briefly talked about uh, new developments. What about particularly within the city centre? Possibly there are obviously another number of office buildings that are up, will be up for refurbishment in the near future and the same further out as well. They wouldn't necessarily have to go through that planning process. So how would they go about uh, possibly getting grants or becoming more involved in uh, in developing the EV charging uh, solutions? Uh, I, I suppose particularly if there were uh, necessary needs for upgraded power grid in the area, that sort of thing? There are a number of ways. The government, through OZEV, the, the Office for Zero Emission uh, Vehicles, actually has um, a, a number of grants. and There are workplace uh, grants as well that enable the installation of uh, charge points. Similarly, there are for homeowners as well to put home charge points, grants to, to be able to, to do that as well. The government who've recently undertaken uh, the consultation around uh, charge points and the responsibility for local authorities and in the main landowners and, and those landowners who have car parks, there will be a requirement actually to be providing uh, charge points, but you know there are grants available to, as, as mentioned, to to be able to to do that. There will be uh, developments where, um, whether that that's housing or or whatever, where the land for whatever reason needs to be adopted by the council, and under that, because it then comes back as public land, that we will be looking at under our own policy, uh, the provision actually of charge points um, as far as that is actually concerned. But I think, you know, there, there'll be more pressure actually from employees, all residents, um, you know, or, or people who are, whether they're going out shopping or going to meetings who and, and going to buildings and asking you know where is where where are your charge points? So there's more pressure, and the more pressure that there is, that more that means that that uh, the market growth will actually be there. So, you know, this isn't just the responsibility of the local authority; it's actually a shared responsibility between yes, the council, private providers, but actually, you know, as as citizens, as businesses, how do we move towards improving air quality? 
in cutting emissions and getting to, to that point of not only improving the environment, but actually where we actually live and work is actually on, on all of us to, to look at that. Uh, it's not without its challenges and that's appreciated. And, you know, that there, there is costs there and it will be, you know, in a sense, a journey for all uh, to be able to, to get to, to that point. But we do feel that in the next five to 10 years, it will be increasing year on year, the installation of, of uh, charge points. And in Birmingham, we know that 70% of residences have off-street parking. There are grants available for home chargers, you know, to suit the particular needs of, of the type of EV vehicle that we would hope people would, would want to, to transition to. Where the local authority actually comes in is given that it's focusing on that 30%, but also it about providing um, a city-wide public accessible provision, which is a fast and rapid charge and go uh, type of um, provision. And that is backed up by people having charge points actually at home and also looking at the alternative type of charge points where actually it is a little more difficult given you know the, the lack of off-street parking in, in areas of the city. I think you, you absolutely hit the nail on the head there. It's, it's not just about one organisation being in, involved in this. It's a, a base change in the mentality surrounding how we travel, what type of vehicles we own, uh, and, and how those vehicles run. And it's something for the whole of society which to consider, which is obviously an ongoing process and is ongoing at the moment, but it's that baseline shift of how do we really live our lives and commute and where do we Absolutely. work and how much time do we spend at home? And that's something which it's been a long time coming, uh, but it is beginning to, to build up that momentum now. Uh, it's not as it was 10 years ago, this question of, well, do we really need this? It's the yeah. question of, well, why wouldn't we need this? Yeah. And it's that change of attitude that we're seeing now that is really allowing this to happen. Absolutely. And through the council's uh, transport plan, you know, there are major developments to actually assist that that modal shift, that that transition. Um, there'd be the development of the Sprint bus, which is a rapid transit across the city. There's the development or the extension of uh, the metro line as well. There is a whole raft of infrastructure developments on road space reallocation, bus priority. It's about enabling those things to, to actually happen. It's been really difficult, you know, until recently to be able to get people out of their vehicle because the assumption is it's quicker if I just get into my own vehicle to get from A to B. Well, actually, the infrastructure that is actually being developed between the city council and uh, the Transport Authority, Transport for West Midlands, is actually about enabling that public transport network to be more efficient, consistent, reliable, and actually you know, a nice mode of transport, a nice mode of mobility alongside the possibilities of being able to walk and also to, to cycle as well. And that the use of, of the individual's vehicle is, is the least option that, that you would um, actually choose to do because it's quicker to go by public transport. So we are getting there um, in terms of that infrastructure change within Birmingham. 
And it is a big thing, isn't it? Public transport has for, for so long been seen as the trains are overcrowded, the yes. buses are slow, and it, it, it's changing that mentality and actually getting the cars off the roads would be a great help to that yes. as well. Yeah. Uh, and I know we're going to be covering this in a, in a future podcast on the uh, on the sprint buses, on the hydrogen buses, uh, on the reopening of the railway lines uh, yeah. to Mosley and possibly other areas as well. Um, but it is going to be a a very important and very key change within the city as to how people move within it and how willing people are to move uh, yeah, in different ways. Absolutely. You know, the first step is making sure there is that infrastructure availability and aligned with that, that it's zero emission public transport. And you're right, this is where, you know, between electric buses and hydrogen buses, you know, that they, they have their places as part of this overall uh, context. There's no one thing. It's the combination of everything coming together that will enable that shift. Okay. It just leads me to to thank everyone for listening to this and uh, to thank Sylvia for joining us today. And uh, hopefully you'll join us in the future for uh, some of the other podcasts in the series. Thank you very much.